social media can be life-changing and it can sort of further narrow the focus of what you think about the world and how you see the world. And so it, it, it actually can be a tool for good. It certainly can. Good morning, everybody, or at least good, it's morning here. My name is Dennis, and you're watching the Funky Brain Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. And today I have a friend of mine from New York City, an entertainment lawyer named Stacy Slotnick. Stacy, how are you doing today? I'm great. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty awesome. I just had a long meeting with my company, and we, I learned a lot today about uh, web development and uh, what really goes in to building a high-powered website. So I, I had a, a morning where I like my brain is like over full. My funky brain is like over full, so that's kind of a problem. But it's anyway, like combustible energy up there. Right, yeah. It sure is. But I don't have coronavirus. I'm pretty healthy. But I'm in Colorado, as a lot of people know. And you're in New York City, which is like ground zero, no pun intended, for the coronavirus. And how are you How are you and your family and friends and everybody faring back there? Thank you so much for asking. Yeah, it, it is on lockdown and everybody is just trying to do the best that they can, working remotely and tending to all kinds of technology issues and helping clients out using these new platforms. It's a brave new world and I'm grateful every day to be doing what I love, and uh, that includes entertainment law. So, right, and I know. And so, how did you get into that particular field? That you know, my I was talking to my mother, and she said, you know, when you're usually it's when you get out of law school, whatever job you get, it kind of dictates the the field of law you end up in. Is that kind of what happened to you, or were you like, I want to represent J Lo? <laughs> one can only hope right <laughs> no your mom your mom is very accurate in her assessment um the trajectory right out of law school for me was dictated by the 2008 uh economic meltdown so a similar situation we're living in right now and the only decent jobs available were in personal injury and i really cut my teeth on that i learned so much from trial like a trial advocacy perspective. I tried my first bench trial the day after I was sworn in in New York State. So I had tons of exposure, great experience, but my path to entertainment law was not linear at all. I started working for a neighbor who owned a public relations company. And she said, look, I don't have the language within which to pitch lawyers and doctors who want to have national TV spots. Could you help me with some talking points, some press releases? And I started doing that and I sort of fell in love with the whole marketing, PR, law, medicine concept and sort of merging those fields together. And then I decided I really wanted to work with actors, filmmakers, musicians, the fashion industry. So I went off on my own and uh, I own my own business and I, I love what I do every day. You know, there's a tremendous time commitment. Um, you're never off the clock because what's going on in New York is something different than what's happening in a film festival in Europe and California. So that's definitely 
a challenge, but it's certainly not an obstacle and it's something that I embrace. I mean, I just always want to be there for my clients. So, yeah. That, that's really awesome. That's a great description of everything. You were like, well, I kind of wanted to represent some of these people, these like uh, entertainment people or whatever. You're like, well, who doesn't want to do something like that? So right. you're really fortunate. Something cool that Bill says, Bill Boggs, who I had on, who you- Sure, oh, he's wonderful. Yeah, he said something really awesome that's really stuck with me. And, and I'm gonna have to paraphrase it because I forget it exactly, but he goes, you know, I, I'm a lucky guy. I've been able to accomplish my childhood dream, what I always wanted to do as a kid. And it yeah. stuck with me so much. Ever since he said that, I was like, wow. <laughs> I'm like, you know, how many people can say that? So many people- yeah work really hard for decades to try to figure something like that out. Mm -hmm. And I think it, he's one of the fortunate ones that was able to fulfill those dreams. Absolutely. It's pretty powerful when you get to do what you love and you have to, with entertainment law, there's sort of a balance between the art. So that's the entertainment part. And then the legal prowess and understanding contracts, how to put deals together how to correctly advocate for your client. I think some of the best entertainment lawyers I've worked with or been on opposing sides of a deal, they're people who really have an appreciation for the richness of what that art is, whether it's music composition or acting or documentarian type work. I think that it, there's just something special about, about this field. There really is, yeah. And Something that I hold on to, too, is, uh, I don't know if you know the late, great Dr. Wayne Dyer. Did you know who he was? But no. He was an ins inspirational, uh, motivational guy. He has, like, lots of books. He did it for decades. Mm -hmm. He passed away, like, five years ago, but or maybe not even that long ago. But he's, like, one thing that always stuck with me with what he said was, like, if you're not doing what you love to do, what you're passionate about, you're going to continue to search for that throughout your entire life. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. It's like if you're, if you're laying in bed in the morning with the covers over your head, dreading getting out of bed to go to work, it's, maybe it's because it's not what you're supposed to be doing. Or maybe there's, some, maybe there's a dream or something inside of you that you need to pursue so you don't feel that way when you wake up in the morning. Now, even if you're doing what you love, it's not going to be like, you know, rainbows and unicorns every day, but it helps you get out of bed in the morning and not dread. Like if you, if you, if you're doing what you love to do and passionate about and you run right. into a, a brick wall, you're like, Oh, well, let's just get through this. But if you're not, if you're miserable in what you're doing, you're unhappy in what you're doing and you run to a brick wall and you're like, and then you get sick, you get stressed out and everything. So I think that, I mean, I get to, interview awesome people and like I love my life and I think that you do too so you're one of the fortunate ones too I think huh absolutely and that was so poignantly and beautifully stated I mean what a tough existence to not be passionate about what you're doing because you spend the vast majority of your time during the day doing it when I graduated law school, you know, there are certain friends and people I still keep in touch with that there's sort of that mentality like they're just existing. And part of that is because they spent so much money on law school. So they feel that they have to be a litigator or they have to sort of follow a certain path. And 
it can get very depleting to your soul, you know, if you're not following what you want to do, or at least testing the waters of what you want to do. When I speak to undergraduates and um, even some law school students, and I say, it's okay to, to intern or assist in the fashion industry, in the music industry, um, to be an intern, you know, in a, a small production company, because all of those skill sets are, will help you if you're interested in this entertainment law umbrella. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's a, t- a tough field to get into. Like you and I had notes beforehand and you were like, just get your foot in the door. Yeah, I think that's really any industry. Like if you want to excel in any industry, it's like important to get your foot in the door somewhere and start somewhere and then you build upon that. And then, so what was one of your big like foot in the door experiences? Well, I think the ability to say yes to that public relations company that I've never done public relations, I've never done marketing before that happened eight years ago. And so you know, a big mantra of mine is to say yes to opportunities, even if you're not sure how they're going to fit into the overall scheme of your business, your career, your professional life. I think that it's really important to think outside the box, especially nowadays. Don't be afraid of technology. I tell attorney clients this all the time that I, that I represent from either a PR or marketing standpoint it's really good to embrace these new forms of technology and these platforms that yes, right now they're very important. And guess what? They're going to be critical going forward, whatever happens with this pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll think of the power of, well, tech in general, but social media, that's yeah. how we met. You know, I, I reached out to Stacy and I was like, and, and this was a cold call and this was a, a couple months ago. And, I was like, hey, would you like to be on my podcast? Because your, your field intrigued me. And then it's led to so many different paths for both of us. And yeah, we go finally, LinkedIn. <laughs> I, know. I mean, like who says it doesn't work, right? And yeah. you never know where, where it's going to go. I reached out to Carl Mecklenburg yeah. just blindly, who was an NFL legend who played yeah. for the Denver Broncos years ago. And uh, I was like, hey, and this was about, you know, two months. or It was around, around when all this uh, pandemic stuff was starting and I was like hey would you like to be on my podcast and he's like yeah Dennis that sounds like a great idea and I was like first I was like really like around here he's like he's a legend he's iconic a- yes but so are you oh yes of course I'm iconic yeah <laughs> the iconic you Dennis. are you're very motivational so that's understandable he'd want to have some synergy with you yeah well it was really great and he you know one of the things he's like you know if my celebrity or my my presence can bring light to the situation and I want to be part of that and I was like blown away you know and a lot of people don't think of it that way they're like well what do I get out of it like how much am I going to make or who's going to see me what's my Mm. what do I get out of it and I think that's a wrong way to approach anything really yeah Yeah. I totally agree and that circles back to this idea of saying yes and you may not know how the dots connect but you'll figure that out along the way, you know, especially as from an entertainment law standpoint, one of the things that I do is I, I sort of call myself a one-stop shop because I try and put lots of pieces together. I try and put the legal documents together, but I also ensure that the social media is correct and in place and compelling 
And then any sort of PR marketing, I either handle myself or I outsource. And it's just really important to have all the pieces flowing together. And like you were talking about too, this idea of a charitable or philanthropic component is so important, obviously, in, in every industry now and the ability to give back and to do something more and to ask more of ourselves. And I always tell clients, especially in the sort of acting filmmaking space, you know, how can we tie in some sort of philanthropic endeavor to this deal so that somebody else is going to benefit? And it's just, uh, you know, just sort of healing the world. We call in Judaism tikkuna alom. And so it's just this idea of healing the world in general. Yeah. And people pick up on that stuff too. And they pick up on genuine and authentic. Mm-hmm. And they pick up on when you're not being genuine and authentic too. And mm-hmm. so some people, I think, are throwing in the, the philanthropic angle. Mm-hmm. And some people, it's like, it's part of who they are. And I think, right. I think early on with the social media thing, it was easy to just have a presence. And then you were, if you were showing up on my computer, like you must be somebody. And I think now it's more like you can see through. I mean, look what we're doing. We're talking 2,000 miles away and we're having a genuine conversation about yeah. life and our professions and and whatever I mean like you can't really hide anything within what we're doing right now and it's Mm -hmm. really powerful and so your potential clients and your clients and people who follow you they're going to pick up on it and hopefully they see that within me too but I think there's some people that use it for you know like you know taking selfies with with somebody just to just so their friends can see oh look what I'm doing but there's nothing behind it yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Absolutely. Um, one of the, the talking points I had sent to you that you probably were quizzically like, what is she talking about? Um, but the idea of entertainment lawyers not to make it about yourself, because sometimes I'll have, you know, a client ask me, oh, so what interesting projects are you working on? And I, I just always want the focus to be on the client. You know, of course, there could be different um, sort of connections to be made. But I want to make sure that things are always as authentic and in the moment. Because sometimes when you think outside the moment, the results are lackluster. Yeah. And you're representing the client. You're not the star, right? That's right. Exactly. Exactly. So that's why this is a little awkward for me. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, I'm just teasing. Because I'm always used to putting people on television and movies and music videos. So this is different for me. But thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. (laughs) No, this is like so exciting for me. But um, you can get me into some of those videos. So absolutely, absolutely. I'll send the release and the NDA your way right after this. All right. Awesome. Well, don't get me in anything that requires singing because then it will not be successful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what instruments do you play? I feel like you play instruments. I used to play the guitar quite a bit, but I never excelled at it. I have it. It's, it's over here. Uh, okay. I can see it actually. But, and every once in a while, I'll go pick it up, but I haven't learned anything new in like 30 years. But when I do pick it up, there's like you know, I kind of go away. It's almost like a meditation. It takes a, I'm not thinking about, you know, money or relationships or politics or whatever stupid crap is going on. I'm thinking about like, Oh, where do my fingers need to be? And Oh, that sounds beautiful. How can I make that sound better? And so I do like picking it up, but I think if you take that approach and whatever it is that you're doing, how can I make this more beautiful? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Up on that stuff. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And you, you know, I don't know if a word, the word Zen is what you'd use to describe that, that kind of experience, but you know, so much of entertainment is really about giving people a release and a Zen moment and saying something of value, saying something relevant in the times that we're living. Artists are incredibly, you know, sometimes undervalued because what they give us is not just entertainment from an amusement standpoint, but they make us think. And so, you know, that's sort of one of the brilliant things I love about what I do is trying to put that content out there that is gives you a moment of levity or a moment of Zen, or it's just thought provoking. Yeah. And when you say that one, let's go back to the social media thing, because that's really the best way to hit people nowadays, right? Mm -hmm. Unless you have huge multi-million dollar budgets to get on TV and stuff like you don't even, you don't need to do that anymore. I think that is shifting to where you could just get on social media for free or boost a few things here and there and uh, reach people. Are you doing that for your clients? Yeah, absolutely. And trying to do even more of it. So kind of getting clients on a schedule to do regular content creation. Um, it's really important for them to, to be able to share their musical talents. And sort of even just if it's like, if I represent, you know, a screenwriter, it might be like screenwriting tips. Here are my top five um, that have something to do with comedy and humor. So it's really important to just kind of be a content creator, especially at this moment in time. And again, always offer something of value. Yeah, that's really awesome. And so for those that are just tuning in, this I'm talking with Stacey Slotnick. And now how, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? That's a great question. The, the fastest way is just shoot me an email. It's my full name, Stacey Slotnick, S-T-A-C-Y-S-L-O-T-N-I-C-K at gmail.com. Awesome. And you can find me on LinkedIn too. And LinkedIn Twitter. and any other Twitter. And on Twitter too. Yeah. I'll Twitter. send you all my digits. <laughs> yeah, yeah Twitter is a great way to reach like lots of people with a with a sentence. Man, yeah. it's doubled it, wasn't it? It was 140 characters. I think it's 280 characters now. I don't use Twitter. There's yeah, there's and there's lots of fun ways around that too. So you can embed other people's tweets and you can say even more if you want. And um yeah, the algorithms are pretty cool. So it tells you what's trending and what's popular. It's such a pet peeve of mine. Sometimes I'll come in to a new client and they'll be like scheduling out tweets. And I'm like, no, you can't pre-prepare because you don't know what's going to be trending in that moment. And from an algorithm standpoint, what's going to be most popular. And so, you know, those types of things are very of the moment and you can't plan them out. As we see every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so you've been able to become successful. So for those aspiring young women or men or whoever is like in law school right now and going, which direction should I go? And they're watching this and they're going, I want to be like Stacy. Like what advice would you give them? What could you tell them? What mistakes have you made that maybe they can learn from now before making them? Like, what can you say to that young, aspiring entertainment lawyer to be? It's a great question. Um, I'm going to answer your first one uh, first. And just to suggest that if there's any sort of specific industry, maybe it's 
modeling or music or filmmaking, um, there's lots of different job opportunities that aren't related to the law. But again, it goes back to sort of learn the art of what it is that you eventually want to do. To have an appreciation for artists is something that if you're interested in this field, you probably already have. So not only will you gain further interest and sort of understanding, but you get to know what makes an artist tick and um, how to propel their artistic as well as, you know, legal endeavors forward. Um, there's a lot of, you know, wonderful clinics and law programs through, you know, top law schools, but not everybody can take advantage of that. I mean, it's super cost prohibitive sometimes. and um, you know, they only take a certain percentage. And so, you know, even if you truly, the people who started out at CAA working in the mailroom now own the company. So there is no job too small, you know, don't get too big for your britches. I'm a big fan of that one too. Um, so just try and, and work in any way that you can in the entertainment field. There's so many opportunities um, working for a a theatrical producer, do assistant work, do internships, just kind of get your feet wet. And, you know, in terms of some of the obstacles I've come across, I would say this field is not for somebody who wants to take vacations and check out because that's just never happened to me in the, <laughs> in the 10 years I've been doing this, that just, it just doesn't exist. Um, um, gratefully, knock wood. My, my husband had some, some medical, yes, yes, major, <laughs> um, a, a medical challenge last year and he's doing so well. Again, knock wood. Yay. But this, this idea that like I wasn't available just didn't exist. I mean, you know, in ICU, in the hospital, um, you just have to constantly be available you never know when something's going to break and your client's going to need to take advantage of it or there's a deal that needs to be hammered out more. There's some, you know, music festival opportunity that you need to review the contract or negotiate terms. Obviously, people are understanding, you know, things come up. But in entertainment, just the clock never stops, especially now with social media, with YouTube. It's just good to be as available as possible. But again, I think when you love what you do, it's an obstacle, but it's, it's actually, it's not so terrible, you know? Yeah, I do know. And that, I was going to say, until you said that, I was going to hop on that exactly. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I love it. That's one of my favorite things. And it's, it's, I'm glad that you know it. I mean, not everybody knows that, but you know, it's pretty popular saying nowadays, but it's like when you love what you do, you never have to work a day in your life. Right. And that, that's one of the messages that I just heard you say. The other one is that no, what is it? No, no job is too small. And even yes. if you have to like take a job that doesn't seem like it's like heading in the right direction. One thing I say, like I've had massive success. I had, I started a business years ago and, um, and I've had massive failure. Like my business that I started was like my third or fourth business and the other few failed miserably, caused lots of debt and heartache. And then I had one that really took off and then I lost that. And then I tried to get it back. You know, I won't bore you with all the details of that, but I tried to get it back and I spent like five years getting it back and it kept failing. And then I realized that I had to, you know, having, I had, I was successful for myself and then I wasn't anymore. 
And I had to say, look, now I have to be an adult and get a job and work for somebody again, which was humbling. You know, mm-hmm. it, it hurt my ego, my poor little ego. Mm-hmm. And uh, but what I say now is like, you know, we all have dreams and things that we want to pursue and be successful at. We want people to know about it and all these things. But those dreams you, you definitely need to have, but you have to finance those dreams. You have to work for them. And sometimes it means working outside of what you think is going to get you to the top, whatever mm-hmm. that is, or taking that job that's been beneath you, right? Or you just have to find out why you're not getting there and take a job that's going to help you to get there. You know, mm-hmm. it might be something small that's going to teach you that what you've been missing. In my case, that's kind of what happened. There was a marketing piece that I was missing in my, my business mind. So I've been working on that for the last few years. How did you find working for somebody else and then being an entrepreneur? Well, another thing I've realized to answer, let's see, that part of the question is that one, it was humbling to go back to work for somebody after not having to. But I always talk to people and you hear it a lot now because you hear all these people that are, they call themselves CEOs, but they don't really do anything. They start a business, they start a Facebook page and then. <laughs> I'm the CEO of this company and then I'm going to sit around and smoke pot and play video games all day. But that's not what, I mean, it takes a lot of work to be a CEO, right? Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of advice out there for pursue your dreams, do everything you want, start your business and anybody can do it. And you can now because of the, t- the technology. But I think that there are some people that are also born to be good workers, not everybody yeah. cut out for working for themselves or starting a business. There's a lot of stress. You don't just start a business. In fact, there's a difference between being good at what you're good at, like your craft, like mm-hmm. being a dentist or a doctor or a lawyer or whatever and running a business. Those are two separate things. It's hard to run a business if you don't know how to run. Like business has, business is its own craft. And then there's doing what you're good at. That's why people have mentors and consultants. Like, all right, well, I'm good. I'm a good painter. I can paint houses. I can paint inside or outside houses. But running a business, a painting business, two separate things. There's accounting, marketing. There's all the different pieces that go into that. So it takes a village. Yeah. It takes a village. It really does. And I think, and at first, if you do want to truly be a business owner and start a business, you have to wear a lot of hats and you have to do all that stuff yourself because you don't have the money to hire all the people to do those things. And that's how you really learn a lot. And then, but some people just aren't cut out for it. So true. So true. You said you, you made so many good sort of like guiding life and entrepreneur principles in, in that, uh, in that (laughs) statement. So, I mean, one of the things I think you touched upon that, that I think, applies to me is is this idea of uh, hard work and hustle and you know one of the challenges right it's yes one of its challenge is a fair word during coronavirus so usually i'm on a plane somewhere or i'm at an event i'm at a, a movie premiere um so i now i'm just constantly in my house and so there's no beginning and end to the day Um, There's really no stop time, so to speak. There's always deadlines coming up and things that need to get done. And so that's been unique because usually having those types of conferences or events to go to, 
it provides a stop time, you know, to do the regular stuff, the paperwork, the legal negotiations. Now everybody's available all the time. So, you know, the expectation is that you're always available and that's totally fine. It's different. You know, it's a pivot for sure. It is. And you're staying busy though. And I think that that's one of the important things to to stay focused on in this time of quarantine, isolation. Mm -hmm. All this is really unprecedented stuff. And I think a lot of people don't know which end is up. Now we're lucky enough to have a opportunity and we're lucky enough to have a job, at least for now, how things are going. But I think this is an important time for a lot of people to realize, like, if you don't have anything going on, create some opportunity. Like what we were just talking about in the last half hour, we gave out some really valuable nuggets, even though it might not have seemed like it. Look at the technology that's available. Create a LinkedIn account, a Facebook account, whatever your, whatever your vibe is, and mm-hmm. then get on there and connect with people. You know, create these opportunities, Great. reach out to people and create a busy day, right? With work, like, you know, get out, put yourself out there, create relationships that are going to lead to something. And again, you never know where things are going to lead ever. Absolutely. Absolutely. Kind of grab life by the horns and jump on all of these different platforms. And I think we started out talking about what's your passion and and how do you get involved in what you really want to do and how do you find that opening? And there's no time like the present to, for people to figure out what it is that drives them. And it's, Hey, it's never too late to do that. Um, One of my clients is a model who is in that May Musk genre. Yeah. So she's in her seventies and you know, she is, she is killing it. She gets booked for every New York Paris fashion week. And um, it is sort of the opportunities are out there. You just have to have that passion and that hustle. I agree. And you know, another thing that I want to touch on is like, it kind of goes with the social media piece that we were just talking about, but there's a lot of people that are like, well, I tried social media. It doesn't work. Well, it does work, but you're not, maybe you're not doing it the right way. So a lot of people fail because they're like, well, all right, I put this post up and I didn't have a million followers like an hour later. So what happened? So that's not how it goes. It's like people aren't necessarily going to reach out to you. People aren't necessarily going to like love your stuff, right? People want to be heard. So social media is really about engaging with other people, taking time out of your busy day to Mm -hmm. go look at what other people are doing, comment on their stuff, you know, reach out to somebody and say, wow, you know what? That was a great post because you know what people love talking about more than anything else in the whole world themselves <laughs> right. so you can initiate a conversation where these people could talk about themselves yeah. you're going to be a hero now you just made a friend now you made a created a relationship that maybe you can do business with somebody you know Absolutely. or just have a friend and then you never, you never know where things at it's so true it's about those quality authentic relationships like we were talking before you know if you're going to pick a charity or some sort of nonprofit to connect with and to bolster, um, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons and that it's something near and dear to your heart. You know, we all have sort of charities that we're very passionate about. And so, but people see through 
you know, what's inauthentic. And so being able to have that quality connection on social media, it's so much more valuable than I always tell clients, you know, subscriber numbers, follower numbers. Yes, they're important, but it's the engagement metric that we need to be focusing on. You know, how many positive comments, how many likes did people respond in an uplifting way and say, thank you. I had no idea about this, but you gave me something of value. Um, or sometimes social media can be life-changing and it can sort of further narrow the focus of what you think about the world and how you see the world. And so it, it, it actually can be a tool for good. It certainly can. I think it actually is. And this goes back to like learning more. If you're not being successful in an area, find out why, like find what the root causes of that, right? Not just like, oh, I'm a failure or people aren't engaging with me. What's wrong with them? Well, what's wrong with you? Like, what are you doing? What can you do better to change your situation? And then do something different, right? That, that insanity thing, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over. Exactly. Except, different results. So if I keep putting up posts that are kind of irrelevant and or just like pictures of- Me, me, me. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, and people aren't engaging. Maybe I need to shift directions. Maybe I need to do something different. If I want different results, I need to do something different. And people get stuck in that pattern of, you know- you're a great example. Like you're successful and the people you represent are successful. So there's people sitting on the couch going, why can't I be like them? Well, you're not working towards that. I mean, they don't see the, the path that got you to that level. They just see the end result and they wonder, why am I not like that? And then they're, they get angry. Why am I not like that? Right. And right. And then usually when you have that discontent, you need to channel it to, to in a way that's going to be productive, right? So, I mean, this, one of the things that I love about your website and one of the, I think is your passions is this idea of like advice and seeking advice and mentorship. And I mean, I would say personally, my mentors would be my clients in large part, you know, because I'm always learning from them. And I certainly, you know, hope and believe that they learn from me. But I think that there's so many different arenas and different fields that I work with that it's sort of, it's wonderful to see somebody's goals succeed and come to fruition. I mean, what about yourself? Like, how would you suggest people find mentors if it's maybe outside of their profession? Well, there are a lot of different channels and it depends on what it is that you're going after. Ironically, I found one of my current mentors. Well, I'll get to that in a second. I found him on LinkedIn. You know, I, I reached out to a guy who's a high top level guy in his field and a very, very successful guy. And I had him on my podcast a while ago and we just started talking and we got on the topic of mentorship. And after I shut the camera off, after our episode was done, I was like, would you be my mentor? This light just went off. And I was like, I couldn't believe that it happened. And he, and he's like, yeah. And I'm like, really? Like, this is like an idol is going to be like a mentor. But I talked about this in my book, in my book, Funky Wisdom. But I think it's important to have like not just one mentor, but to have an expert or a mentor in every area of your life. Like, I am not a doctor. So if I get sick, I need to go to the doctor. 
I'm not a lawyer. If I need to go to court, if I need representation, I need to hire a lawyer. I can't represent myself. I hate doing taxes. I need an accountant every year because I hate that, doing that. And some people love doing that, so they don't need to do that. But I was taught to have an expert in every area of your life. So mm -hmm. somebody to run stuff by. You know, I'm not just talking about going to the doctor if you get sick or break your leg, but what direction should I go? I think that everybody should have mentors, coaches, whatever you want to call it. It's actually a symbol of strength, like asking for help. Like a lot of people think that's a sign of weakness, but it's actually a sign of strength that you're able to ask for help, to get out of your own brain. I don't know this. So why don't I ask somebody instead of spinning my wheels and wasting time and resources for three years, I can ask somebody and get the answer in a week. Like yes. why, why wouldn't I do that? It's so true. Um, I work with a beloved Emmy winning actor and he is also a musician. And it's not just the, because he's been in this business for almost four decades. I mean, it's been, he's been in the industry a while. And it's not just sort of entertainment advice that he gives, but it's life advice. And it's like life advice from like these major honchos of the industry, but it's, it's sort of like, you know, what happened on set when there was like a family issue or, you know, here's how you know, you overcome this problem. And it's something really beautiful when you connect with a person in that way. And it doesn't have to be somebody older than you. It's just a matter of someone who's got a lot of experience and a lot of wisdom and just having a inorganic connection with somebody. Yeah. And I would say like somebody you respect, right? Somebody who maybe, oh, I want to be like that on some level, right? Sure. You don't, don't go up to somebody who you're like, Maybe they have lots of money, but they're not nice or they're not happy or whatever. You want to go up to somebody you respect, honor, want to emulate, and be like, hey, how did you get like that? And right. the other piece of the puzzle of all this is it's kind of a relief that I don't have to figure everything out on my own. I can yeah. just ask somebody who I respect, how did you get there? And then they'll say, why don't you try this? And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, they were successful doing that. <laughs> well, that was much easier than banging my head against the wall and wasting thousands of dollars for a couple of years. Right. It's a sign of strength, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. I love that. And then the other thing is to continue to find those people too. Like if right. you across and sometimes you don't connect with somebody and that's okay too. It's like, you're not going to connect with everybody, but if you find somebody you connect with and you're like, wow, this is great. And they're genuine and authentic and successful in whatever area that is, whether it's maybe not just financial, but they're peaceful and happy and they emit awesome energy. Say, right. how do you get like that? Right. And so there's, I'm, go, I'm experiencing this in my life. I don't feel good. How can I get there? How can I get past this? So I think it's like always having those people in your life and the more the merrier, right? Like, Absolutely. Absolutely. It's good. Yeah. I'm a big proponent. I mean, I love school. Um, so <laughs> I know you're one of those nerds that read a lot and did. Oh really my goodness. I, I love, I always have my highlighters with me. <laughs> and maybe you graduate cum laude. <laughs> I, I love learning. I'm very type A. Um, so I, so things have to, you know, I, I like to do things right or you don't do it at all. That's one of my key mantras. 
But I think that it's in going with this thread of mentorship, it's good to always be learning and it's good to always develop relationships with people whose opinion you value, who have overcome obstacles, who can help guide you. And, you know, I think it's a two-way street. I mean, there's so many people in this industry that have given just sort of nuggets of gold of advice. And, you know, they though themselves may not be as attuned to like in demand or streaming services and, and things on, on the tech front. So it's always like I try and make it mutually beneficial as, as much as possible, you know, because again, when you can have this kind of relationship where there's give and take, it's always going to, you know, yield better results. Absolutely. Yeah. Always be learning. I love that. That's a mantra I've had in my life for a while now, but not always. Like there was a period where I was, you know, messed up. Like my people, most people know my background. I came from addiction. And for there was like probably 15 years. They, they say when you start drinking or dr- drugging or whatever, you, you stop growing emotionally. And that, wow. that's kind of what happened to me. You know, I started drinking heavily when I was 15, 16 years old. And that's kind of when I stopped like growing and learning and doing new things. Like, you know, I, I learned enough to like get by and I stopped learning until I was like 31, 32 years old. And then now I'm like a, I'm like a sponge. Like you are the complete opposite of that. Yeah. 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 You want to soak it all in. Yes. Because I'm like, you know, but, and then I was like, Oh, I wasted 15 years of my life, but did you, or it helped build me into who I am now. Exactly. Right. And so uh, sure. I, I might, I might change a couple things if I could go back, which you can't. So I don't dwell on it anymore. I would, we all have a couple of things on our list of things that we could have done differently, but I can't. So what can I do moving to move forward? And that's where I focus on now and always be learning. I love that you said that because it's like, once I think I know the rules, the rules change. Absolutely. And to surround yourself with people who are going to support you and embrace you in business. It's okay here and there to have the naysayers and people who will challenge you in a healthy way, but in general, in life and in business too, it's really smart to have, people who have good energy, who are going to be supportive. And, and cause we, you know, um, we all lift each other up, you know, there's no, um, a rising tide lifts all ships. It's true. Yeah. I love that. That's great advice. So we've been talking with Mrs. Stacy Slotnick and she's the entertainment lawyer in New York city. And again, if somebody wants to reach out to you, how would they do that? They can email me, Stacy Slotnick, S-T-A-C-Y-S-L-O-T-N-I-C-K at gmail.com. I'm also on LinkedIn and Twitter, and we'll be sure to connect. And thank you so much, Dennis, for this. This was great. Thank you. I loved it. I loved our time together. See, it was a nice, authentic, genuine conversation. Absolutely. And thank you for being an awesome uh, podcasting partner in this. This was wonderful. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, to the Funky Brain Podcast and uh, listening to Stacy and I chat about life and business and overcoming obstacles and getting where you want to be. Thanks, Stacey. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. Thank you.